This is our opening of the show disclaimer where we say that you maybe shouldn't take drugs because... No, no, we just have to say that that the, those who support the podcast are not necessarily endorsing the things that we say about drugs on the podcast. Oh, right. I'm also not in... Because at the end, I told people to take a bunch of drugs and I don't endorse that. I don't endorse my own views that I express <laughs> in this show. So I want to be clear. I want to be clear All that right. the views expressed in this show... Um, by you don't actually reflect your personal views they're nonsense (laughs) (laughs) Um, so there you go Um, all right that Uh, concludes our our disclaimer disclaimer. have you been zombified by drugs in particular like psychedelic drugs so i i took acid in college um and it was not Good, right? You're looking over my shoulder. Um, it wasn't an experience that I felt like I would like to do that again. Um, although hearing Shane talk about it, it sounds kind of like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe it could be fun. So, what about you? Uh, I did mushrooms in college and was like, this is pretty cool. I want to do it again, but um, that was like 20 years ago. I've tried actually twice since then to do mushrooms, but I've never like actually like had a you know, hallucinating kind of experience. Just oh, so like, like you a, took the mushrooms and then you were just—it's like, like not. I just didn't take enough. Mm, I think so. at once. So I got to try. Again. No, did you have? Because I always hear about yeah. microdosing. So was there like a the, mild? The, yes. Sort of... No, I was micro. I, I was unintentionally microdosing. So okay. Yeah. So and it did. Yeah. Did it have any sort of like long term where you're like, oh wow, I felt great the week after or anything like that? Um. No. I mean, honestly, uh, I feel like I'm. I kind of am a very exuberant person who really appreciates life in general as long as I get enough sleep. So for me, like having a full night's sleep is kind of indistinguishable from microdosing. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So this is one of the things I did not like about <laughs> acid is I remember it lasted a really long time and I couldn't sleep it off. And there was a point where I was like, I'm I'm kind of done with this. And then it was like 12 more freaking hours. Of, Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. So it was, wow. that was no yeah. fun. Um, so, uh, well, anyway, uh, (laughs) welcome to the zombified podcast, your source for both, um, fresh brains and drugged brains, apparently (laughs) (laughs) slightly preserved brains. Um, and, uh, uh, who are you? I'm I'm Athena. I'm your host. I'm your host, Athena Actipus. I'm a psychology professor at ASU and uh, the executive producer of Zombified Media. All right. And I am your co-host, uh, Dave Lundberg-Kenrick. Uh, and uh, I mean, usually we're like, and brain and yeah i guess and brain enthusiast yeah. i don't know that i would quite go like psychedelics enthusiast but you know yeah. psychedelic curious yeah. about yeah. yeah so yes yeah. and we have a guest today right we have such a great guest with such a awesome brain that's true so this is shane shane moss and uh he is a comic and a psychonaut and like a science communicator, like an awesome, funny science communicator. That's true. So, um, and uh, we're talking about psychedelics, psychedelics, and zombification, and how psychedelics can de-zombify us, how they can zombify us. Throw in a little like talking about the evolutionary biology behind stuff, some of the neural mechanisms. 
uh, a lot of the culture and social aspects of psychedelics. We talk about tie-dye and nuns with Happy Meals. and That's right. And, and sort of seeing different like shades of music. Do you do you see music in different colors since you're a musician? I, I don't see music in different colors, but I um, like I feel the vibrations of music, which is like, I mean, music is vibrations, literally. That's what but I, tells us. I physically feel the vibrations of music and that's like a big part for me of playing music is the physical feeling of vibration so i don't i don't think that's like really synesthesia because vibrations are like right. a, you know like so you can feel even sense. like sort of like high notes that are tend to be really fat right because i feel like the bass is fairly easy to to feel yeah um but uh you can feel like yeah i can you know? feel higher notes too interesting yeah. what like in I your just, teeth then your Bones. My whole body. I just wow. feel it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I feel the music, Dave. Wow. I feel the music. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what is your favorite part of today's show? Uh, I think my favorite part of today's show is, um, you know, hearing sort of an inside view from Shane about the the cultural aspects that come along with the psych- with psychedelic community and... Um, yeah, because you know we we think about it often as like very counterculture, um, but there's also a lot of like conformity in there, which is something I hadn't really thought about much. So I think that was um, to me one of the most interesting things. Yeah. How about you? I liked him talking about the succulent that he bonded with in uh, Salt Lake City. I want to go see this plant. I just am like curious to see if there was something special about this plant. So, um, so yeah. Well, let's uh, jump right in and hear from this week's fresh brain, Shane Moss. I know it's crazy, but it seems so logical. Try to fight it, but it's something psychological with you. Makes me act the way I do. I'm not trying to be over analytical. Retracing time to remind myself how ugly this could be. But something else is taking over me. Shane, thank you so much for being here with us on the Zombified Podcast. I can't tell you how long I have wanted to get you here in my office so that we could talk to you on our podcast. Have I not been on this show before? Life's a blur. Because <laughs> well, you and I have talked a zillion times and you've done my podcast a bunch. I just assumed. Huh. Exactly. You, did you not like me that much this is my first time on this show is it really it is yeah, yeah. I think it is yeah. I think I've been on your podcast oh. Athena's been on your podcast a couple times yeah. right has your but dad been my on? dad and I yeah. were on it and I think my yeah. dad was on it another time right yeah so yeah. but yeah so now um well, thanks for finally having you me know, well, look, on your show. We're we're selective, you know. Jeez, um, so. Making me jump through all the hoops. <laughs> oh, well, Shane, so. would you introduce yourself in your own words? For um, I, I, I mean, you need no introduction, but at the same time, it's possible oh, that yeah. there might be listeners who don't know you as well as well, Dave and I do. I so. would, 
I would venture a guess that most people have no idea who I am. I'm not, I'm not oh. like a household. It's very flattering. To be like, hey, you're a, you've been on TV before, and people probably know. Oh no, you were on Conan. Oh yeah, that, that. I remember. I remember like my first time after doing Conan, and this was back when people watched late night still. I remember, you know, it was very exciting. I was just on Conan, and they go and do a do a like comedy club or whatever like two days after and i was like hey did anyone see me on conan by chance and just the whole audience is like nope (laughs) followed by an awkward laugh and so yeah you would need to be so big of a name for people to readily know who you are my name is shane moss i am a humble humble stand-up comedian (laughs) Uh, who uh, went from being like a traditional late night comedian and touring around to starting up my own podcast. Here we are where I interview scientists in my travels. And then I started doing science-themed shows. And one of them happened to be about psychedelics. And that's the main thing that I'm doing right now is because I have a Vegas residency at a place, Area 15, which is like a psychedelic wonderland of sorts in Vegas off the strip. Um, Not in a casino or anything, thank goodness. And um, yeah, and and so I'm doing a psychedelic comedy and science-y-ish show there that's immersive and has a bunch of visuals added to bring trip experiences to life and that sort of thing. Yeah, you showed me one of them when we were eating our quote, delicious burritos earlier. Oh, yeah. And I was mesmerized. I was like, oh, that's such a cool... I feel like I'm on a trip just looking at this. Visual. Yeah, so I work with a VJ, which a lot of people mm. don't know is a thing, a video jockey. And so he has his original content, plus he works with a whole bunch of different psychedelic artists so that if I start talking about mushrooms or dmt or just like animals or something like for that matter he can just layer a bunch of stuff together very quickly really and, like um, he could do it kind of in real time yeah almost? yeah yeah it's it, wow. he's, he's fast yeah he's very fast he has he has a lot of uh a lot of content he has like 20 years worth of stuff that he pulls up pretty readily so that's super yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so so we have a lot of sequenced stuff, but it's not super robotic at the same time. I can mm-hmm. riff and go off and he is good at improvising. So That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get into being a comic? Like what was that? Oh, I always wanted to be a comedian since yeah. I was like 10 years old. I went, I I wanted I was raised I was raised Catholic. I was raised I had like a strict upbringing very wholesome people um uh-huh. you know uh, a lot of great great folks in fact a lot of them um decades later would even go on to make america great again oh, so, so there you oh, go. Wow. very oh, impressive okay. <laughs> yeah and but i didn't uh, i didn't fit into um the culture there because and, you wanted to make america horrible again yeah okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I, I was I, like, I was an atheist from like a very, very early age, insanely early age. And I, I just remember being like, 
you know, eight or nine years old when you're in like third or fourth grade and they're like, what do you want to be? And there's career days and do you want to be a fireman or an astronaut? Those are the two big dreams for a boy back then. (laughs) You want to be like a construction worker like your dad. And then, uh, and none of those things appealed to me. And I had a friend just one day mention that uh, like I made him laugh or something. And he was like, you should be a stand-up comedian, which was a thing that I hadn't even seen. And he explained to me that it's just someone that stands on a stage and makes audiences laugh. And I was like, yeah, actually, that's what I'm going to do. And I was just young enough to be dumb enough to like think that... Um, Remember believing in things? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, those were the days. Um, and, uh, and so I had it in my head from the time I was 10 years old. I, I just like didn't. Yeah. The you stranger like... thing is that I got into science. That's the stranger thing. Cause, cause, because I, I like didn't like school or anything. Because I was like, how I was a very rebellious young man yeah. anyway. And then I was always like, well, how is this going to help me mm-hmm. with so my comedy dreams and stuff? And so I was like a kid that was always in detention and mm. never paid attention and didn't do homework and all this stuff. So, so you were like, I don't believe in God. And so therefore I must fill myself with believing in something else, like having a future yeah. as a comedian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just slightly yeah. less ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've made it work. I mean, it's uh, it's awesome to see also just how you like intertwine like the science with the comedy and like make a lot of science more accessible while, you know, making people laugh and maybe even people don't realize they're going to be learning stuff when they listen to you. And then yeah. it's like, hey, guess what? You're, you're learning stuff. Well, when I started comedy, I was... I had a very, very fast rise in the business and, you know, got on things like Conan and other things like really quickly, had a bunch of different TV credits, like very quickly. And there was like a period of time when I like had a lot of buzz and all of these things. And it went to my head just enough to think that I could just like do whatever I wanted on stage (laughs) and... I was always reading science books as a hobby and I never really, uh, I never, it was just a separate thing that I did. I never mm. even, the the thought never even occurred to me to talk about science in my act. Mm. I was like a very traditional, like late night, like, like short joke, absurdist kind of comedian, I guess. And, uh, and so I got like really, really obsessed with, I always liked science, but I got really obsessed with it around like 2009 2010 when i had like reached some milestones in my comedy career and was kind of like wondering what i wanted to do with this and just Mm -hmm. got like very obsessed with um like evolutionary biology and and well i also um i also I should say that psychedelics played no small part in my interest in science and learning about how the mind works because you can have some powerful psychedelic experiences and be like, what in the <laughs> world? And, and if you're an atheist uh-huh. and, and now you've just had like a mythical experience and you're like making sense of like how that could be 
a thing, how you could have had that experience. And, uh, and for me, I, I found, um, some answers in science. So, so yeah, it was, was there like a specific one or was just like a general amalgam of like just having these weird sort of spiritual mystical experiences while doing drugs. And you're like, I want to know what's going on with this. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess maybe not even mythical experiences at that point. Well, maybe, Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess before that, even even just these, it, it, you know, I, I remember being like on mushrooms and convinced I had like seen a UFO or something like that. It didn't last for very long, but in that moment, it really felt like it. And I was just fascinated and I knew intellectually that I hadn't and everything else. And so so it was it was just always like really interesting the way in which your consciousness and the mind can deceive you. And then and then just general, I, I mean, things like mushrooms, which is probably what I've been doing the longest and have the most experience with, they're kind of like meditation on steroids and bring like a lot of things to the surface. And so I think just general, like as kind of a mindfulness aid, it just got me more and more excited in the brain um about about learning about the brain and then but there's there's a lot of things i also i i was a uh, like as i got older i was less of like an angsty atheist too and and wanted to like start getting along with my family and, <laughs> and things like that who had always been like judgmental and then huh. you know you turn 30 i'm like oh i'm not in high school anymore i have to drop this so also also getting really interested in just how people form beliefs was something that was interesting. Um, there was, I went through a period of time where uh, I, I did a lot of eating mushrooms and watching David Attenborough documentaries. So very interested in animal behavior. I went through a thing. I went through a bad breakup and then I was in a new exciting relationship and that girl smoked more weed than I was used to. And we had eaten mushrooms and watched some animal documentary together. And so it was like this ritual of ours to smoke weed and watch like animal planet stuff. And so I was writing a lot of relationship jokes and then I was writing like, you know, I'd be like talking for the animals or whatever and anthropomorphizing to like make this you know new relationship when you're funnier and things because you care Uh, (laughs) and so i'm like writing a lot of animal jokes i'm writing a lot of like relationship jokes and some sex jokes and stuff like that and then i just started seeing them all kind of coming together on paper and and so i got really interested in some of the science of like mating behavior and stuff the the first the first sciencey special that i made was called Mating Season. Um, mm. It was my least favorite one, but it's on Amazon Prime, and it was it was decent. It was my first whack at putting science into my act, and I hadn't totally figured out how to do it. Which one's your favorite one? Ah, uh, the new show that I'm doing is is really what's the, good. What's the in new Vegas. show? Um, it's called A Better Trip. It's at Area 15, and it's a fully immersive thing. And like I said, and it's it's a really good. Now, I don't care that much about psychedelics. I mean, I've just, I have like 25 years of experience. And after a while, it's like, it's, 
all all of life is a trip and it's just the reason why psychedelics feel like such a you know insane experience is because they're such a short novel time and they're different than your normal ordinary mm-hmm. consciousness well you do enough of them and then that just is like and you get used it's to like it another you know you yeah, just yeah. habituate like anything yeah. so and, have you moved on completely from sort of like the high you know dirty behavioral ecologist joke realm or do you still throw some of those in i still yeah yeah yeah, i still uh, i mean well that's the other thing that i like about the psychedelic crowd is that i i did this show stand-up science that i toured around with i did like a hundred shows in 2019 with it it was one of the things that you know um i haven't brought back since covid because i'm just starting to tour again but um you throw in it, some of those it, jokes. Yeah. It, if I did stand-up science, stand-up science was the audience that would have the most attention span for my for my science stuff. But they would sometimes be a little prudish if I had, mm. you know, some sex. And, and, then, and then there's, you know, it tends to skew liberal for a show called Stand-Up Science. So anything that could be mistaken as like g- genetic so, determinist mm-hmm. stuff about gender differences yeah. or, uh, yeah. and and so yeah it was always it was always a little easier to have a female scientist on stage with me to talk about like gender difference stuff mm-hmm. um if i was going to and and so the psychedelic crowd is like less buttoned up in that mm-hmm. way i would say and so, yeah, so for, for now, for me, psychedelics are a gateway to uh, getting people to listen to me blab about perception and, and consciousness. So you're basically like zombifying people by like yeah, talking like, about psychedelics. Drugs, yeah, drugs, cool. And then, uh, gotcha, I'm going to talk about the universe and evolution. Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so when it comes to sort of like, zombification and psychedelics if you had to just like big picture this do psychedelics zombify us more or de-zombify us more oh i would definitely say they have a lot of propensity they they have a lot of potential for de-zombifying i again um i don't find myself being as evangelical about psychedelics as I as I used to be, so I'm like, ah, I don't know how much I like to like encourage people or whatever else, but certainly it, it can it can get you out of your. I mean, it's definitely a non ordinary state of consciousness, and once you experience a different perception than than what you're used to, and sometimes a drastically different perception. It's enough to shake it up. Yeah, they uh, kind of like shaking that that globe and putting a fresh bit of uh, of powder on the on the landscape. Um, and so, so yeah, I would say de-zombifying um, for sure. But the culture of psychedelics, and you spend enough time at like Burning Man type things, and and um, and mini burns and stuff like that and it's like boy there's a lot of zombie-ish behavior in so so that's i guess there's there's people that use psychedelics to see a different 
see things in a new way. And then there's people that use psychedelics to validate what they already believed. So mm. a lot of times if someone was like raised Christian or whatever, they'll have a big mushroom experience to be like, I saw Jesus. Like, <laughs> no, you don't understand. I actually saw Jesus. And it's, you know, because uh -huh. they're primed to. And then. In or only only the people he wants to see him get to see him, right? Th and that's true. You don't believe, so you don't get to uh, yeah, see him. Yeah, maybe Just I like, haven't so. earned the... Yeah. I've had a Jesus thing during a ayahuasca experience. Oh, what what did you and Jesus hold. do? Uh, it was it was more it was some weird metaphor about different communicators through time or something like that. I don't. <laughs> I, I can barely recall it. It, yeah. it felt. It, and 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 the other thing too is is it can. Uh, some of these, like especially like ayahuasca, they seem to get people very excited. So much so that that I've you know people can become a bit manic, and that can be a little bit zombifying. Where people have a lot of times, people like go to Peru, have a week doing ayahuasca, and then be like. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to start my own facility in Peru and I'm going to become a shaman and I'm going to give up my Wall Street <laughs> job or whatever. And I think there's like there can be some shadiness there. Like I, I know of I know of retreat centers that like cater to, uh, you know, hyper wealthy clientele. And then once they get them down there and they, you know, have this amazing experience, they're like, now you might want to know about like the Amazon needs help and like the, these pipelines and stuff that have destroyed the environment. And I mean, it's, it's, I'm not anti zombifying rich people to save the Amazon necessarily, <laughs> but there's definitely some zombification involved hmm. there. There's, there's so much there's so much pseudoscience in the psychedelic community there's even amongst like the kind of psychedelic research that there is is I think much of this is is to be attributed to the the way the scheduling the psychedelics are schedule one drugs so like near impossible to to study like uh, cocaine and meth and stuff is like a schedule two so Mm -hmm. You can study those for addiction and, and stuff. Things, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And and so the the people that study psychedelics are usually just like so enthusiastic about it that they uh, were the <coughs> only ones crazy mm -hmm. enough to jump through the hoops of like all the uh, bureaucracy and everything. And so, I mean, there's some bias out there. There's there's a, a lot of the stuff that commonly is like this study showed that this happened with psychedelics and it's like there was 12 participants in mm, that study sure. like i'm not saying like maybe it's true and that could be very exciting but it's also <laughs> but, like i don't know you know if i if i talk to someone that researches dung beetles and they've been doing that for 20 years and i'm talking with them i'm like now this person knows dung beetles like very well <laughs> there's not a doubt in my mind sometimes i talk to with like various psychedelic researchers i'm like mm, mm -hmm. is that true though and then there's a there's a lot of sensationalized stuff that happens there's a lot of um 
you know, like Joe Rogan's opened up a whole market for he, he he's like Oprah for like conspiracy and sci-fi like type stuff or whatever. And and so there's like a particular just just like if you wanted to get on the Today Show or anything else, you would you would present your work in a certain way. There's certain things that you, you do to get on like big comedian podcasters or whatever now that it's like it's very it's very sensationalized and hmm. and and so there's there's so much yeah there's so much zombification in the psychedelic community and i would still say they're a, a generally a de-zombifying maybe so, getting de-zombified for a little while makes you too arrogant and then makes you think like makes narcissistic people think that they're like now better than everyone and know everything. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. It sounds like there's a really big difference here between like what's the primary effect of like doing psychedelics, which yeah. you're saying is a sort of de-zombifying effect versus what are the outcomes that result from people doing psychedelics which have like the cultural effects uh you know people how they're engaging how they're communicating about it how they're trying to pull others in and that whole social and cultural realm involves zombification while the primary interactions with psychedelics yeah. not so is that a yeah, way yeah. of characterizing like, like, what you're saying so if your average person goes into say a ketamine clinic or something which I'd recommend is that I don't like being prescriptive, but if if I was like gun to my head, I had to recommend one psychedelic to start with, just because of the safety. And it's not even my favorite, but just because there's clinics that you can go to now and have it done professionally, and it's also it seems to show that people have people that have the best results from ketamine are people that have never done a psychedelic before. So I recommend that one. First, and so your average person that's going into a ketamine clinic, they're going to have like I what I would call a de-zombifying experience. But then, kind of like what you're saying, you like the culture of it is now you're mixing that with like who are these influencers on social media, and and becoming an influencer on social media is much of the same kind of zombification you know, with mm. everything very clickbaity. And mm -hmm. So in terms of the interactions, like the primary interactions with psychedelics, like taking psychedelics and getting de-zombified, what is going on there in terms of the mechanisms, like the actual processes? Like why, why is that a de-zombifying process? Yeah. So this one's tough because... Even ketamine that's been studied a little more, you know, you see these end results and you're like, wow, it helps X number of people with depression. And then lots of people speculate on the neural mechanisms that are making that happen. And it's still pretty. So, so one of the things that people say that I would say is not like is, is maybe not the most solid science in the world, but there's this idea of this default mode network that um, that's kind of your ordinary state of consciousness. That's the, what's like normally feeding your conscious awareness. And um, so this and is kind your, of like what the 
like neuronal firing patterns are just if you're kind of like not doing anything right it's like sort of default state of activation of your brain Yeah, yeah 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 and and you know i've heard people talk about it as a metaphor of like that's that's kind of the conductor playing the orchestra or whatever and then it inhibits those processes the the um default mode network and so rather than being fed you know if 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 uh like you and i just went to lunch we had an objective you had to like i'm going to picture this uh, the the like map in my mind to get there and think about what I'm going to order and everything else and and those are kind of what you're consciously experiencing and that makes sense to and then ignore kind of periphery things the psychedelic experience is more um everything has kind of an equal level of importance what whatever mm. it is in the mind that um that makes you kind of, you know, prioritize different, uh, your focus in different and often useful ways, that gets shut down a bit. So, so it, it's, it's why if you're tripping with people, it'd be like, this isn't real wood on, on this table. This, these wood grains seem so real, you know, and they'll, they'll be like fascinated by these. <laughs> It's not real, I don't think. No. Yeah. <laughs> but that does look real. It does look real. Whoa. They'll be like fascinated by these like silly details like that. And it's just it's just stuff that, you know, we all have in our periphery all the time, but never put a lot of conscious attention into. And so there's something about noticing all noticing those trees that you've walked by um every day without no and and then seeing how just magnificent trees are there's there's a there's kind of a reset state too where um it kind of resets back to childlike wonder i would say Mm. because we all liked trees when we were three years old and we still do like trees but it takes a little more like okay i'm hiking right now i should really i should try to appreciate these trees a bit. like <laughs> like when you when you're a, a little kid it was a natural you'd want to climb around on it and you know be fascinated and, it, it and kind your of, parents be like we're going on a hike come on let's yeah. move <laughs> yeah. objective exactly you're like trees exactly and so uh, sort of that it that sort of brings back some of that childlike wonder and and uh you know we we all I was just saying in the class, we all we all need to habituate to life and and build and recognize patterns and form efficiencies and and um, the it's impressive that the brain can do that. And the downside is is that sometimes you like get stuck in a rut or it gets stuck in this kind of problematic pattern. And well, habituating to like the things in life that are awesome doesn't seem great for our like personal well-being it might be good for like being more productive yeah but we, i mean i don't want to habituate to so, like the so things what, that are great what in life sort of things lately have filled both of you guys with either that sense of childlike wonder yeah or like or even the feeling of this is hilarious, right? Because I think that's a similar sort of experience, I think, of like where you're just noticing something. So, you know what I mean? Like for you guys, are there things where you're like, wow, like. You mean like other than doing mushrooms? 
I mean, yeah, just, just maybe, but I mean, it sounds like in, maybe in regular like, in regular everyday life. I mean, yeah. I'm being here. I haven't seen I haven't seen the desert in a while, so it's kind of it, it's kind of you know they they call it a trip. I, I think it's a little bit like hmm. you know you know you if you if you go to Europe, suddenly you're like. Whoa, the McDonald's are so much different here, or whatever. Where like a European is kind of like, oh, okay, uh-huh. you know, and and so I think that uh, I think that as I just have started traveling again, and I haven't gotten sick of it yet, um, I definitely feel like filled with wonder about all of the variety of places. And so, so what was the most amazing thing about the? the crummy burrito place that you guys went to because you guys were talking oh, about this and you seemed a little thing. sort of jaded right <laughs> about uh, the so burritos. the most amazing thing well if i, I if i need to like <laughs> force myself to, I, I mean this this is it, it it is funny i was i was uh i i was much in the same way the burrito place i remember i had a i had a flight that was like running late and uh, to get to make a connection to get to a gig. And I, I barely made the connection. It was like two hours behind. Somehow I made it. My bags didn't make it. And, um, and, and then they came later. And I was just normally I would have been annoyed. But I was in whatever mood. And I was like sort of being snarky to myself. But I remember thinking like. It's so amazing that you, you you know we take for granted that you can fly and like uh, and and go around the and it, it just that like you you can actually find your luggage being in a different part of our ancestors never could have their <laughs> luggage two thousand miles most of their most prized belongings two thousand miles away from them in just two hours because that is- and, and, and that's the way I felt about the burrito place. Oh, like yeah. it's it's uh yeah that that we we get to have cheap efficient food that we can take for granted i guess that's is true so even this wood grain table that i've sat and looked at before yeah. somebody somebody i guess designed this right they took a picture it's of not, wood it's not bad yeah yeah, yeah it's pretty I, nice i have an airport story too actually oh, so I really like actually when I'm at the airport, I really enjoy just like watching the people yeah. because some people they're like, so like, I got to get where I'm going. And they're like, you know, in their like super intense mode and other people are kind of like wandery and, you know, you, you kind of get to see people also in like all states of like sleep deprivation. And it, I mean, it's fascinating. And I was I think it was in the Denver airport and I was just kind of like sitting there, people watching and there were these nuns walking and they were carrying happy meals and i was like wow like (laughs) nuns carrying happy meals in an airport 
It, That's adorable. It was nuns doing anything. Right? <laughs> nuns, nuns being people. Yeah, it's just that, that like... should be that should be an Instagram account. Just nuns doing anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that Nun, nuns in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> so they got themselves the happy meals. Like it wasn't like they got them for. They were like they were know. like we I want mean, the this, meals with the toy surprise and this everything. Is, like I don't I don't know. Like did somebody buy them? Did they walk up to the McDonald's and they're just like we're going to give you happy meals. Like there's so many possible backstories. Right. Or for why are the they guns... just talking? They're like, let's get the happy meals. Yeah. Let's go ahead. I want to get the, whatever that is. I want to get the, the avatar yeah. figure that yeah. goes with it. We so. don't know why they had them, but they had them. And so that was, that was a very special moment for me. I will remember it forever. Nice. And, and it's also the same kind of thing of like, you know, like the nun and the happy meal, like together, like these are both things that, like would not have existed for our ancestors mm. and you wouldn't think to put them together. No. But there they are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's a lot of the, a lot of psychedelic experiences like mushrooms or LSD. You're definitely making, making new connections, mm. novel connections, good, good for creativity. Uh-huh. And then the downside is, is that people sometimes make too many connections and that leads to conspirituality and stuff but but you mm. can you can see from if if you do psychedelics you kind of you go oh this is why all of that great music came out of the 60s and stuff and mm. uh, yeah so is there a like like proven relationship between psychedelics and like conspiratorial thinking or is that just sort of anecdotal that it's like uh it's pretty anecdotal Dodal, but yeah. it's definitely a thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I, I mean, it might be the type of people that find right. themselves in to psychedelics were that way already. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that has about as much to do with that as anything. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, the, those those connections definitely because it's it's uh, it. Um, one of the mechanisms is, is it can bring on synesthesia, so and tell for people who don't know what is synesthesia. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just kind of crosstalk between the different categorizations of your of your mind. You have uh, uh, your when you're born, your brain's a bit more of a blob of sensory experience, and then you have um, kind of synaptic pruning as you're as you're learning that that kind of cuts off um it's like uh, bleeding uh, right between the, some of the senses or yeah yeah and and so so when you're born there's not as much of a difference between say a shape or a sound or something like that it's like all kind of closer to one experience and then as you as you learn and hone in over time um, the the brain goes. This is for colors, and then this is for shapes, and this is for taste, and mm-hmm. um, and those that becomes more rigid over time. And then people that have synesthesia, they'll have some of these. Some of the synaptic pruning didn't happen, so they they have some of those connections. So there's a lot of like musicians that see music and color and stuff have mm-hmm. a little bit of synesthesia. I actually. I actually see um, the number 11 as yellow and the color yellow uh, is 11 in my mind. It's my one tiny little That's bit of synesthesia. Huh. And um, 
And so during a, during a psychedelic experience, it, it opens up um, a, a lot of, a lot of either old or different pathways than than normal, and what? so people Can will have what? like synesthetic oh. states, um, like pretty reliably on on enough psychedelics anyway. If you picture the word eleven, what color is that? Oh, the word eleven? No, that, uh, that's not. just a word. Yeah, okay, it has okay. to be the number. Has to be the number. Interesting. Yeah. So for yeah. me, the word is kind of reddish. I think. So, oh okay. yeah. So I was wondering if. <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah, is um, is so. just like a one like half yellow or as do you have to have like one and one to it, it has to be 11 <laughs> all right and i have to and i have to be careful if i say 11 or yellow i have to be careful that i don't transpose those oh. two and say like oh the sun's so 11 right and now. my son <laughs> and my son is is actually yellow <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he's he's yellow yeah so. <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah that's that's just like one small some people have people have a lot of different ones they'll hear um they'll hear a word uh like usually it's like a very random it'll be like if they hear the word brick they just smell peanut butter or, you know, huh. just like strange. Interesting. Things like that. It's usually, it's usually, it's often like not overly useful. It's often like pretty random. Now, are there patterns like where it's like you'll find lots of people will smell peanut butter when they hear the word brick specifically? Or is it just like, you I know, one person so, might There's smell a lot of people they... that see music as color. Okay. That seems to be the most common form of synesthesia. There's even been like, famous conductors over time um that there's this one guy like hundreds of years ago because people didn't know what synesthesia was so if you had synesthesia you just like would assume that everyone else just saw things the same way that you did or whatever well this this like famous music conductor who was like just kind of unaware of his neural divergence would be like uh I need more. Um, I need more purple out of the violins, and then, the, and then <laughs> they they would just like play like a B or whatever. He'd be like, "That's red." I said purple, <laughs> and then they'd play another thing. He's like, "No, not orange, purple." And they play, and then he'd be like, "Yes, yes, bring that, bring that up." And so then they just learned to be like, "Okay, okay when he says purple, purple, he means E." Sure. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, I, I was I was just watching. Uh, I was just watching a Instagram video of, of some uh, some young child musician with synesthesia that was like t- explaining that what each what each note was um, in color. Interesting. I'd heard that about Hendrix. I'd heard a story where he said like, "Oh, could you make it sound like I'm playing underwater?" And then the guy you know, his audio tech did whatever he did to make it sound like it was playing underwater. He's like, no, 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 blue water. So um, <laughs> sort of similar, uh, unless it's the same story, just that's been transmuted to be about Hendrix. But yeah, I yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, so that's, I, I'm not sure that I've seen music. I'm sure I've seen music at some point. I have enough experiences under my belt, but definitely, um, synesthesia is a thing that's why things can be you know the cliche of like tie-dyed stuff or you know everything everything can become like very tie-dyed ish during uh you know with enough lsd or 
or psilocybin. Mm-hmm. And that and that can just kind of like speaking of wonder, oh, I'm going back through Salt Lake City. I remember I had a mushroom trip in Salt Lake City um, and was walking around, me and this girl that I was just starting to see, and there was just some plant. It was just like outside of a hotel. We both saw this plant and just stopped and looked at it, and it's just like, look at this jolly fellow here and it's just like <laughs> it had like such a personality to it and like we just sat and just looked at this you know it's like a it's like a large succulent or something it, it was it was so ordinary um <laughs> and so unimpressive to in any normal state of consciousness <laughs> and i just remember us being so obsessed and I'm going to Salt Lake next week. I might I might see if I can remember that hotel and go and visit that. I used to go and visit that plant. <laughs> and then when you would go back, if you would go back and see the plant sober, would it like yeah, still yeah. be like, yeah, yeah I remember yeah, you? Yeah. Like, or? I mean, you know, it was also mixed in with like... A, a, a lady and sure, I sure, you sure. Know, there was a, There was a lot going mm-hmm. on there. Um, but, but yeah, that, that, I mean, that's, that's a perfect example of See, the other thing is with, with psychedelics that is hard to explain. And I think why they get sensationalized and you hear about these big experiences so much is because a lot of psychedelic experiences are just like kind of delightful and they're not that crazy or anything. And they're, they're they're really not much to write home about because a, a lot of I I think of so I I could go through what like each psychedelic is kind of like best for but uh, mu- mushrooms and LSD are kind of the most commonly used so um, mushrooms to me bless you bless you mushrooms to me are um, are just like shower thoughts on steroids it, it, it's it's just it's just all the stuff that's been underlying your your mind for and it probably would have come up at some point when you were driving or in the shower or something like that but it it gets you like closer to that state and and in a way where you're forming new connections and so because of that a lot of the big takeaways from psychedelics, the the most life changing, meaningful ones are stuff that like your friend could have told you or something. <laughs> sure, because it's it's all because there's quite a difference between knowing something intellectually and then feeling it like experientially and like okay, I've always known that I need to like take better care of my body or whatever. But then to <laughs> have an sure. experience where boy, I wish I had more of those experiences where you feel it. But there has been times where it's sparked like major like workout changes and stuff uh-huh. in my life mm-hmm. and. And so because of that, all of the best psychedelic takeaways just sound like some stupid thing that's already oh embroidered God. on your grandma's decorative <laughs> pillow somewhere. <laughs> oh, I get it. Home is where the heart is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've been sweating the small stuff. Oh, my God. And, and so that's a lot of, I, I mean, my view of it 
And it also goes on to explain why. Yeah, I was showing you some animation of yeah. like uh, those. Those are real psychedelic spaces that those artists are like doing a really nice job of pulling out. If you, yeah, if a listener googles like Alex Gray or something like that, those are real. That's what it looks like. That's not. That's not some. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, artists uh, like taking some liberties or whatever. It's like, no, it it looks looks just like that. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, so you'll see like different beings and stuff. You wouldn't fault someone for thinking they're seeing aliens or whatever. But I, my take is, is that it's just, we all have different representations of different people and things in our minds and, um, and our, our inner worlds. I kind of compare it to the movie inside out, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Lovely Pixar film. And I think it's, I think it's quite a bit like that really. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's what's, what our subconscious is like. And it just looks so foreign. So when you do something like, say, DMT, which is a, the active ingredient in ayahuasca, something that's like very powerful and like bless you into that space, you get to see some of the worlds that are, um, you know, probably doing like lots of boring stuff, like helping you p- simulating different lunch options. You know, <laughs> there, there's probably me just talking right now. There's probably in my subconscious several different um options that are be- simulations being run like really quickly and then I'm being fed the one that's coming out of my mm-hmm. mouth and and so to get to see that state and get to see that kind of um different level the the kind of subconscious coding that gives rise to this conscious mm-hmm. experience is really interesting and jarring and mm-hmm. fascinating and uh yeah so that's that's what i think mm-hmm. it is i think it's a window to the subconscious some people think that's like connecting with other worlds and stuff might be who knows yeah. but so so then if we kind of think about the the side of this it has to do with the often plants that are producing the compounds that you know, give us these experience plants or fungi or whatever. Um, So what is going on in terms of the like evolutionary reasons for why these things exist out there in the natural world, that these things that can have these crazy effects on us? Yeah, I I think it's just, man, it's been, it's been a while. I I had an episode about kind of some evolutionary ideas about alcohol and I, I just I just think that uh, I think it's maybe a little more of a cultural transmission I, I, I bet alcohol you need to have like a gene for and I, I bet that's evolved some over time and it would have been because fermenting fruit and things there's like lots of other primates doing it psychedelics they're so rare that I, I think they're just, I think that there's something that we did. You know, there's like this stoned ape theory. This guy, Terrence McKenna used to forward that's like, Oh, well, once humans started eating mushrooms, then they would have these profound experiences and they would try harder to explain them. And, and that, uh, that sped along human language. And I think that's kind of a nonsense mm-hmm. idea. Um, but, but but then there's the other side of like, you know, why did 
plants and fungi evolved to produce these compounds, which might not have been for their effect on humans, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that they did evolve for their effect on humans. If yeah. I if I had to guess, I yeah. I bet it was just that's just Wasn't, a byproduct. I thought there was yeah. like a some theory that like maybe it is with alcohol that certain things ferment at certain seasons, and then certain behavior changes are more advantageous at those seasons. So like let's say when the fruit is fermenting. It'll make you drunk. You're drunk. You might be a little more likely to take risks in order to engage in mating opportunities at the right time of yeah. year to mate. To like, I, I don't know if yeah. this is yeah. That, 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 I mean, yeah. But, see. but you need to have some like mechanism for like the like our vulnerability. Is the idea that our vulnerability to right, that it our vulnerability evolved. that our behavior change. And I'm not. Yeah, I don't. Right, alcohol right. Has created a lot of offspring. But I thought I thought I'd heard something that somebody maybe this was just spe- uh-huh. I'm sure it was maybe just speculation, but um, that it was like that it's designed to cause that would it's harder to get these things year round in the ancestral environment. And so I don't know if that's the case mm-hmm. with mushrooms, but if there might be like there's a certain time of year when mushrooms are coming yeah. out and that's the time yeah. when you need to start thinking creatively and yeah. it's less likely to be a time where you need to be able to tell fact from fiction because there's not as many predators like this is all yeah, completely speculative it, that, but yeah, I, I, I mean there there's there's been there's been yeah. things for like winter solstice where they would like store up things to have mm-hmm. during that time but that's yeah. also just well i mean there's a lot of reasons to have a, a big festival right yeah. at the you know time when the d- days start getting longer again yeah well and it kind of seems like there's a bunch of different levels of explanation that might play in right so it could be that you know plants and fungi and you know whatever else in nature is like you know i guess there's some bacteria that make psychedelic compounds too like they probably evolved to do that not for their effect on humans but for effect on like for effects on other entities that they're like trying to keep from eating them or messing with them or Mm. something right so you have that and then because there are some similarities in terms of like the receptors that different organisms have and there's like overlaps at least with like you know being able to sort of push some buttons right like we could have all these effects on us from consuming these things not because they were sort of designed to manipulate us but because they were designed to manipulate other organisms and they're just kind of having these like you know byproduct effects on us and then the things that we do with them they might be driven a lot by this cultural stuff that you were talking about Shane and that you're kind of alluding to also Dave where it's like you know you have these things that are powerful and can affect our behavior and maybe you know then we figure out how to use that to our own advantage either by consuming them ourselves or encouraging others to consume them and then they can kind of take on a whole other level of potential functionality for us that isn't necessarily rooted in them like having evolved to manipulate us yeah yeah i i i think that that's I think that that's probably a lot more the case. There's, yeah, there's, I mean, something like eucalyptus did a very nice job of keeping things from eating it. And then koala bears show up and they're like, this is all I'm going to eat. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, because there, there are weird, like ayahuasca is this like, People are like, how did these two vines? It's a, the vine that has the um, the dimethyltryptamine in it, and then and then there's these 
MAOI inhibitor leaves that, that's help you metabolize it in the stomach. The, the, if you just eat DMT, it will, it, you'll just metabolize the DMT or yeah, that, that's, that's mm-hmm. what it is. You'll, you'll just, you, you won't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you would, you would need to eat like so much of it, but if you have these, so I guess MAOI breaks down DMT um, probably breaks down a lot of things, but if you inhibit that mm-hmm. MAOI, then it stops it from breaking down DMT, and then it can build up in the brain. And and so, how did these two plants get put together? There, I think they're like found in different areas, and mm. it's very magical seeming, right? But but there's also uh, one of the better ideas that I've heard of is is in the Amazon, they. Uh, they purge quite a bit because they eat so much like parasitic meat mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. beneficial to purge from time to time. And so there's like different plants that are really good at purging and the, the vine is one of them. Mm-hmm. And it was like about refining a new, if you're taking something to throw up, you probably are tra- always tweaking it to be like, is there a better way right, right. <laughs> to do this? Is there something else we can mix with this to yeah. like make it go smoother or whatever? And then one day you mix the right thing in and have this crazy visionary experience. And then, yeah. Well, and if you think about it from the perspective of like, you know, plants or, or fungi, if they're trying to like not get, consumed and i guess maybe more for plants than for fungi because like you can eat them and they're still they can still be like growing elsewhere underground but anyway um if you think about well what's a good way to like stop an organism from eating me if i'm a plant well why don't i make the organism eat when it eats me like not feel hungry like at least for a little while after it eats me or make it feel actually sick make it nauseous right so it's like it's those are small steps from like oh i'm not hungry to oh i feel uh, to like oh i'm gonna throw up oh i'm throwing up right um and if those cues that our body you know pays attention to for like you know this is something that should make me throw up happen to be things that also have other effects too right thing throws up and afterwards they're like Wow. <laughs> you guys aren't gonna believe this, but I feel great. <laughs> I, know. I, I know that didn't look or sound very pleasant, but I, I feel like a new person right now. Yeah, I don't know. I can still see that benefiting the plant, right? If I eat the berries of a plant, I wander someplace that I've never been before, uh-huh. um, and then I throw up all over the place. Then that's gonna help the plant grow, right? They're it would have... need to happen so much, though, with all, with mm, all of the yeah. other things around. You could also poop I mean, it out. That's Yeah, I could. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're just talking about pooping and throwing up. Well, we're thinking yeah. about gardening. Talk about so I, I have a question. So why do you think, you were talking about the cactus that you, or whatever the succulent was that you bonded with in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And so, why do you think so many psychedelic experiences revolve around nature and connection to nature that's a very good question i i think that uh i i think it's i think it's partially to do with that boy i i actually don't know i think it's partially to do with that reset of the childlike wonder but children sure like tablets and (laughs) or, or ipads or whatever um, and so, 
Yeah. It, I mean, I, huh. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that there's, there's definitely something with, with trees and things with the, the, the patterns in trees, but the, the kind of, they're also sort of hard to predict and they're, they're moving a little bit, but ever so subtly. And yeah, there's, there's something about that. It, it definitely, it makes colors more vibrant and then it adds, it adds like a little, uh, psychedelics usually add just like a little bit more motion that isn't there. Uh-huh. So it, it, I think it just kind of like brings things to life a little bit more. And so I also think that we walk by trees a lot and think and forget that. Mm, that's true. Oh, it's a living it's thing. thing that's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So if we kind of take the way that um, we're affected by drugs, psychedelics, um, and we amplify that, like, you know, turn up the the dials on that. Um, And I guess since our conversation has kind of been like, well, you know, psychedelics sort of de-zombify us, but then all the cultural things like around psychedelics, all the social things like those zombify us, like what, what's like the zombie apocalypse of like, extra like zombification by psychedelics like what would that yeah, look like real culty i mean there's <laughs> definitely there's a lot of like wellness gurus and things now like really getting into the psychedelic space because it's like anything fringe basically you can make so much money off of supplements and alternate and homeopathic medicine and and things and like these various um you know, like I enjoy yoga, but it's also like, is it what they're saying it is? I don't know. Um, and, and, uh, so, so there's, there's something with, I, I think that, I think that people that gravitate towards psychedelics also tend to be like anti authoritarian and, and, uh, tend to like, have a lot of naturalistic fallacy type stuff and meaning that they're like if this is natural this is good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so so yeah it would it would be like a commune kind of apocalypse of of sorts that uh culty yeah, commune, like waco-y kind of <laughs> kind of situation is is what i would say yeah i have like friends in the psychedelic community sometimes i'm like huh are you is that a commune that you're living on or is it a cult like Mm. i need to (laughs) check in with you about Uh this and uh and so yeah it it would be it would be something very 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 culty and um and very woo woo and spiritual Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's so ironic because like the idea of it initially is so like counterculture and like you were saying like anti-authoritarian but then you're like oh let me live in a community where somebody else tells me what to do all the time yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i think that uh i think that people that have a propensity toward spirituality are going to find more validation for their spiritual beliefs and practices within the 
within the psychedelic experience. And so that can make people like buy into the same old kind of religiosity that everyone falls for. Like these, uh, uh, the people in my religious tribe are no more or have privileged information or are just better people than everyone else. And, um, and then there's like, certain people that are have an extra special connection to the source and they're they're our our leader and that sort of thing and i don't know mm-hmm. i gotta figure out how to get on that grift <laughs> <laughs> so if I you're listening to this yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're tripping uh shane is your leader follow shane yeah i'm, I'm just like the least inspired cult leader that there's ever been like, yeah, i don't know guys uh, <laughs> yeah, you maybe try it if you want to it's not for everybody i don't know <laughs> well, you the did least go- sensationalized organize a whole festival so that's pretty cult leadery yeah yeah Yeah. it was was amazing the mind under matter camp out festival did last fall it was really it was very special and uh we're gonna do another one next year but awesome don't have the details on that did you kind of feel like you were the cult leader as you were like walking around and everybody's like oh it's shane a little bit yeah yeah Yeah, i guess i don't mind being a guy it was nice i guess it was it was a lot of work it was very stressful the whole time well you know being a cult leader is kind of stressful yeah it was was very very stressful and i did get a lot of attention from ladies so i guess (laughs) there you go so a lot of stress and ladies that's that's what uh that's what drives people to be cult leaders i think so (laughs) so um I don't know, maybe you're the wrong person to ask, uh, but what can we do to, like, actually minimize, like, the damage from, like, the kind of zombification that can happen from, I guess, like, the cultural aspects uh, of people like what can kind we do of, to avoid all ending up in some sort of psychedelic cult? Um, or, or just, you know, like, are there well, negative things that are happening on a smaller scale that we might be able to mitigate. I, I have I have more hope for psychedelics breaking people of say um, you know their their bad habits and things like uh, like I I go on streaks of you know I just got a Vegas residency I've been drinking too much lately so I'm like due for a I'm due for a, a like a mushroom reset or something and. Um, I so I I have way more hope for psychedelics breaking people of those um, apocalyptic zombification type habits and patterns actually than I than I do the harm caused uh-huh. by it. I just I try to be like grounded and balanced so I'm not being an evangelical about it but of all of the substances and of all of the things that people do psychedelics are pretty legit like if if you compare them to actually alcohol is a complicated one because alcohol can like really help with like engaging socially every like it's i go back and forth with what my relationship with alcohol is and it can be so much fun and you can form new connections and everything 
Um, but it certainly causes some people and has caused me issues in the past. And, uh, and just like look at, you know, meth, opiates, yeah, pain management is, is exceptionally complicated. So I'm, I'm not one that's like, oh, it's all, I don't trust big pharma, but I, I also, I also think, well, like fentanyl and stuff like that is super complicated. Like I, I've broken both my feet before. You break both your feet, you're gonna be happy that there's opiates out there for if you if you're using them as they're yeah. meant to be used. You know, you're going to be very happy that you <laughs> yeah. aren't in crippling pain for a mm-hmm. uh, month or three. And um, and but you know, if you look at the downside of that, if you look at the downside of like cocaine and all it and and then if you compare it to even even marijuana which i'm like i'm actually really not sold on these days just because it's something that people are often using so habitually um and i I do think it's kind of dumbing people down and making them a little paranoid in certain circumstances i really actually believe that that psychedelics have have a lot of promise for a lot of people uh, one of the things is like people are using them so infrequently. I mean, most people, the reason why I don't worry too much about like, oh, I don't want to be a bad influence. It's like, well, I've tried to influence people to do psychedelics. <laughs> people, people are like naturally averse to them, you know, it, it, like really, it, it's usually like a courageous like people need to like work up the nerve to do mm-hmm. it. I'll have the best psychedelic experience of my life. And afterwards I'd be like, whew. Not doing that again for a while, and like I won't even feel like having an experience like that mm. for like a year or sometimes more. And I and I'm uh, I use psychedelics and am normally high frequency than the general population. And so, so, so the idea that people are able to have like a few limited experiences or go to like uh, MDMA for PTSD and have ten therapy sessions, three of them having MDMA. And then a year later, over 60% of people no longer qualifying for having hmm. the same PTSD that, you know, would qualify one for the study. And, um, and most of the rest of the people having lower PTSD. Um, and from, from three experience, I, I don't know. I think that there's, I think that there's a lot of hope for breaking free of, of, uh, somnification with psychedelics. Yeah. You just can't go too overboard. I've gone overboard, and hoof. It'll make you not want to be evangelical about them. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that that's a, a great place for us to to end this conversation. It's like you know, yeah, maybe there's some aspects of psychedelics that do zombify us, but that has to do a lot with like the context. Yeah, and then you're saying like. There's a lot of actually unrealized potential here, maybe for psychedelics to de-zombify us that we're only really scratching the surface of so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say the most zombie-like thing is, has more to do with the culture, which ha- has more to do with like the new agey type stuff out there that would be there with or without psychedelics. And psychedelics for your average person, I would say they're de-zombifying. Awesome. Well, Shane, thank you so much for sharing your brains with us. Oh, thank you. Thanks for gobbling up my brain. <laughs> mm, delicious. They were good. Much better than the burrito. <laughs> I can't believe I've never been on this show before. 
give up. <laughs> well, now you have. And so now yeah. next time, it won't be the first time. So. <laughs> so. Thanks, Shane. Thank you, guys. And if the whole world says that we're crazy, we don't need nobody anyhow. But if you don't want to fall in love, you better tell me right now. And if the whole world says that we're crazy, Zombified is a production of Arizona State University and Zombified Media. And we would like to thank all the brains that made today's episode possible, including the Department of Psychology at Arizona State University. The Interdisciplinary Cooperation Initiative and the President's Office at ASU. The other people who are on the printout that I don't have. The Lincoln Center for yes, Applied Ethics. the Lincoln Ethics. Center, definitely them. And all the brains that help make, right. this, so, make this podcast. Oh, I know them. Tall? Tall Rom, Neil Smith, our illustrator. Mm-hmm. Tall Rom does our sound. Yes. Yeah. And then Neil draws the pictures of people. And then Lemmy. And Lemmy did the song. Fe- Lemmy feels the music. Yes. Psychological. Lemmy, that's right. Makes the music that you feel. And that I hear. And that <laughs> Shane doesn't necessarily <laughs> see it, right? But people, I do. Shane knows. I, I'm that's kind of zombified by that song. It is. It's pretty good. So, what color is that song? It's bluish, I think, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bluish with some yellow. Yeah, I okay. could see that. Yeah. Um, um, RZ team. RZ team. Right. Oh, also, I feel like maybe just because we were like talking about drugs a lot, we just need to say that those who are, you know, helping to support this podcast don't necessarily endorse your and my drug use. Um. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, or us talking about, right? Because we don't know. Wait, should we have said that at the beginning? I feel like we should have said <laughs> it at the beginning. I think it's fine. We're saying it now. So, Yeah. Um, because we didn't mention them until now, so I think it's fine. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. So back to our Z team. I mean, our people Z-team. could be high out of their minds by this point in the show. Then they won't care anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Their next of kin will when they die from too many shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our Z team. <laughs> yeah, including I don't know. Do we name them? No, we just. Thank them broad terms. Oh, all all right. the Nicole amazing. Nicole and Christina and uh, Pam and Erica. There's, I don't know if they're there's not so many the people. There. Well, so we have like so many levels of Z teamers, and we have all the undergraduates that help us with transcription, and um, lots of people who help out with Zombified Media, and we're so appreciative. 
to all of our cult members. I mean, everybody who helps out with Zombified Media. That's right. We're all connected. We are. We are. Uh Uh, And if you want to be connected to us or join our cult following, you can follow us and support us. You can follow us on Twitter. We're Zombified Media. Um, On Facebook, on Instagram. Um, You can even um, buy our merch, too. It's true. Or you can just take a bunch of drugs and then try to connect with us through the ether. But you shouldn't do that. ASU says you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, yeah. So so support us by following us, uh, buying our merch. And thank you. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for listening. All right. <laughs> thank you for listening to Zombified, your source for fresh brains. And bad advice about drugs. It's crazy, but it seems so logical. I can't deny that there is something supernatural with you. Makes me act the way.